Alright guys, it's your boy Big Baby Steve Thanks for tuning in to Philly Talks You know what? Last night I went out And I watched the, the UFC 239 And I gotta say That was a really good fight card So I said, you know what? Let me do a nice little recap for it You know what I'm saying? For anybody who wasn't able to watch the fight Or probably hasn't Who probably heard the results But don't know how the fight went I thought I'd break it down for you guys real quick. I'm just doing the main card. Just the the first, or the five five fights, I believe. That was on the main card. Yeah, five fights. So I'm going to go down the list, starting off how it began, all the way down to the championship fight with Jones and Thiago. Uh, so first off, they start off the fight card with Diego Sanchez and Michael Chiesa. Um... So, as we're at the table, we were kind of discussing, like, Diego's interview with Air Hawani during the fight week. Look, Diego's, like, I'm pretty sure he's cool people and all that. He seemed like a really nice guy. I hear good things about him every time people talk about him. But if that man doesn't have brain damage, then I don't know what brain damage is then. I have, I've been led... I've been led astray if that man does not have brain damage because the way that he talks, like you can tell like there's something going on that isn't connecting correctly in his head. And that's not no disrespect to Diego. That's just when when guys all agree on one thing, like we like everyone who I was at the table with are religiously MMA fans and they love the sport and they've been watching the sport for a long time and sometimes we we can't really uh, agree on the same thing sometimes and sometimes we can but mostly we can't, we all have, always have different opinions on this one particular point that Diego has brain damage we all agree hands down so as he was coming into this fight, I was hoping that he wouldn't get into a uh, a brawler mentality and get hit because it was it was his last fight on his contract, and he was saying that if he won, he wanted to renegotiate uh, with some leverage, you know, because then he'll be maybe two wins up or something like that. So, but if he lost, I'm hoping Dana White and UFC go, hey. We love what you've done. Like, Diego was the first Ultimate Fighter winner back in, like, 05. Like, you, like, the man has been around forever. Almost 20, what, no, 15? 15 years? So, I'm hoping Dana White goes, hey, kid, if you lose this fight, go ahead and uh, I think it's time for you to pack it up. So we get into the fight. Right away, Diego goes for a takedown. Now, mind you, Diego is a good wrestler and he's a brawler. But Michael Chiesa is also really good on the ground. So for three rounds, Michael Chiesa just basically, in my opinion, was like in a sparring grab. Like if, like when you just grapple and you just roll around with teammates, that's what he was doing. Like he was going for a couple of submissions, but he was just freestyling. I think after the first round, he was like, oh, I got this. You know, like, 
I'm younger, I'm faster, and I, I know the ground a little bit more better. So I think Michael Chiesa went in there, and I think he just freestyled. He was just, I'm just going to go out there and grapple. And if I catch him in submission, great. If I don't, I'm still winning. Um, Diego couldn't get any offense in. Like I, like, I thought he was going to go in there and strike, but like I said, he went straight for the takedown. And for three rounds, for three rounds, Michael Chiesa dominated him on the floor. Every time Diego tried to get up, Michael Chiesa was ready right there, countering, keeping him on the floor, peppering him with some shots, looking for submissions. And Diego couldn't, didn't have an answer whatsoever. He did not have an answer. So Michael Chiesa won by unanimous decision. Wasn't really surprised after watching it. Uh, Diego now has to re-sign with the UFC. Well, has to go into no good. Has to negotiate a new contract with the UFC. I'm hoping, I'm pleading Dana White, please let Diego go, you know, and hopefully no one picks him up. Bellator doesn't pick him up. One FC doesn't pick him up. Hopefully they're just like, look, you've done, you've been a, a great ambassador for the sport. But I think it's time for you to retire, bro. But at the end of the day, it's up to him. It's up to him if he wants to retire. But I think this was exactly what we all kind of wanted. We didn't want to see, see Dale get any more headshots. So for Michael Chiesa to go out there and grapple him for 15 minutes and not really hit him extremely hard to cause any damage, I think this is the perfect way Diego should exit his fighting career. But that's just me. So... Let's see what happens. So then the second fight of the night, on the main card at least, Luke Rockhold. Now, I'm going to butcher the Boschowitz, Blackshowitz, I believe. I think that's the, the guy that Rockhold is fighting. If I butchered his last name, don't blame me. I don't. There's a W in there. What I, like, what a Z also. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know. But, that fight was quite interesting because I didn't as uh, as we were going around discussing who was going to win the fight I said I believe Rock was going to win the fight because Blachowicz Blachowicz uh, his knockout power is there like he's a dangerous fighter he's top 10 and he finishes guys. He's a he's he's what we call for a fact a killer. He has the finishing instincts. He's got the power and the finishing instincts. So what I was expecting from Rockhold was some kickboxing that would open up the doors for some grappling. Now, mind you, Rockhold is on the AKA uh, team, where basically you have Daniel Cormier who is the heavyweight champion and also the light... Oh, no, he's not the longer the light heavyweight champion. He's just the heavyweight champion at this point. He gave up the, the, the 205 belt. So he's the heavyweight champ, but he was the 205 and the heavyweight champ. He is now the heavyweight champ. Um, he's a great wrestler, Olympic wrestler. Um, but he's also the, the wrestling coach for Team AKA. Also on that coaching team, you have um, 
Cain Velasquez, also another great wrestler. And then you have monsters in that camp like Khabib, Merkel Madoff, and it's like, hey, these are all good wrestlers. And they're producing some really good talent fighters who can who just don't wrestle but can mix in their own style with wrestling. Who can mix in their striking with wrestling. So as Luke's out there and he's fighting, he gets to this position where he where he gets into a clinch and it looks like he's going down for a takedown. Right away. I'm looking at this and I didn't say anything at first, but I'm looking at it and I go, Luke's not like he has him on the corn in, in on the cage, but he's not cutting any corners. He's not looking for like a leg trip. He's not looking to trap an arm and lock up his hands. Like none of that. So I thought that was kind of suspicious. But then the same thing happens again. He gets him, they break off. A couple minutes later, he gets him back on the cage, going for a takedown. And still it's the same thing. His legs are square. He's not cutting any corners. And I tell, I'm, I'm at the table and a couple of wrestlers with me. And I say, where is his, like, his wrestling training? Like, is he not going to these wrestling trainings? He's not taking it serious? Like, how are you not cutting the corner to get a single? Why are you, why are you not going down and scooping up an ankle or going for a leg trip or trapping an arm? Like, there's, like, you're literally just on his hips, leg squared, trying to pull his legs from away from the cage but you know but you know in this day and age like people are you know if they're on the cage they're spreading their legs they know they have good defense for wrestling so but you have some really great coaches and great teammates that wrestle how are you not able to take this gentleman down unless you don't get me wrong his his defense was good his wrestling defense was good but i but like you have a camp that specializes in wrestling, so for you not to be able to take the take that get him and take him down, that lets me know that maybe you're not really going to these wrestling uh, training sessions. Because I, when I tell you there was nothing that made me go, oh, like usually, even if you're not a wrestler at all, you just prefer striking, but you still go to the trainings. I should be able to see an inkling. Just an inkling, like, oh, okay. That, that, I could tell he went, he's, he's, he's working on his wrestling because he did this or he did that. He cut the corner a little bit here or he tried to trap his arm and, and lock his hand. That lets me know that your wrestling is on point. None of that. So the fight continues and Jesus Christ. Rocco looks all right. Don't get me wrong. He looks at 205. He looks all right. It looked like he was kind of wearing down a little bit. But at one point, they get back into a clinch. And they break off the clinch. And Blaschewitz, I hope I'm saying his last name right. Or at least almost right. But Blaschewitz hits him with the left hook of hell and just drops Luke Rocco. Like, I'm telling you, rocked his shit. Like, he hit him and sat him down, and Rocco's face was like, oh, fuck. And then Blackshewitz comes in 
Hits him a couple more times. Fight ends. TKO. Rocco's out. And it makes me go like, hey, I liked Rocco at 205. He looked he looked good. He looked like he looked big. He looked like, you know, like I'm pretty sure he could do a three-round fight. But, like, maybe he should have just went. We were talking at the table as well. And we were like, maybe he should have just took somebody not in the top. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is if I'm going up weight and I have a name, I'm popular, I have a name, I'm in the top 10 at the division I'm at. I'm automatically going to go up to the other division that's higher than me, and I'm going to fight somebody in the top 10 there because I'm in the top 10 in my weight class down here. Like, no, that I don't think that's a real thing. I think you really have to at least fight somebody that's in the top 15, between literally 15 and 11. That's who you should fight. That way you can get used to not only the new weight that you now have on you, but now you can see what kind of power and what kind of speed. Like, everything is different once you you go up. Because the division that's under 205 is 185. So Rocco's fighting at 185 for a very long time. Now he has jumped up to 205. Like, that, all that is different. The power is different. The speed is different. The timing's different. The fatigue that goes in when somebody's on you and wrestling around with you, that's way different. Like, but he looked all right until he got hit with that left hook and it just put him down. I think for a fact, if you are a fighter and you're trying to go up to the next weight class, you shouldn't fight somebody in the top 10 because those are legit top 10 fighters in that weight class. Like, they eat, live, sleep that weight class. So I don't think you should automatically go up and fight the top of the top when you go up to a new division. That's just me. That's just how I think. I don't know. But that's how, you know. We've seen it so far with Rockhold last night. And then we've seen it with Max Holloway when he fought Dustin Poirier. Different situation with Max, but still, you know, he fought somebody in the top 10 at that division. And we saw that uh, it didn't go his way either. So Black Shorts wins that. TKO, Rocco loses. So now we get to the third fight. Now, going to this third fight, the people I have at my table is... uh, it's my man Rick and Lender, and the whole time we're talking, I said, like, we all want Ben to win, because we like Ben, he's a wrestler, we're wrestlers, but Masvidal, uh, excuse me, Masvidal, Jesus Christ, they call him, they call, his team calls him Street Jesus, because of the long hair and the beard and all that, but all fight camp for this fight, he was like, I can't wait to get in the, in the cage with you. Because they're literally going to pay me to literally fuck you up for 15 minutes. Like, this is, this is his, own, his own words. Like, he didn't, he didn't, at no point he said, I'm just going to go in there and knock you out in the first second or in the first round. He didn't say anything like that. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you down for 15 minutes. That way you never mention my name in your mouth again. When someone is that has that type of calmness to them where they're like, talk all you want to talk, but once we get in the ring, I'm really going to hurt you. Like, 
that's how you know they're serious. That's how you know they really want to hurt you. That's how you know you should really be like, oh, maybe I should really back off. And, and look, I don't blame Ben. Ben. Ben was trying just trying to go out there and promote the fight and hoping that if he did win, he'd be next up for a, a title fight. So he's going to talk. He's going to sell the fight. You know what I'm saying? That's how, you, that's how you get put in these positions where they pay you a lot of money to fight. Because if you can talk a crowd into the building, win or lose, I already got your money because you came and watched me fight. But Masvidal, again, all week, I'm going to beat him. It's cool. I, I really don't like him, so I'm really going to hurt him. This is how I knew that Masvidal was going to hurt Ben. Right before... As they get into the cage and everything, and they're all they're all loose and whatever, Masvidal takes both his hands, and he's done this his whole career. He believes that if you put be- your hands behind your back, then you're not uh, a threat. So he put it. So usually he puts his hand be- behind his back when he's going face to face with somebody, a stare down, a face off, a weigh-ins, whatever. He put his hands behind his back and leaned on the cage. That's how I knew, me, that this was not going to go well for Ben. Because there's only two other people who I've seen put their hands behind their back and lean on the cage as the announcements of their names are being called. And they're both, both killers. So, uh, one of them being Anderson Silva. If like if she like Anderson always puts me puts his hand behind his back when his name's being called, and he's one of the most dangerous men. And then I think the other one is uh, Carolina. She's uh, one twenty five, I believe, or one fifteen, one fifteen, I believe. And she also puts her hands behind her back, and she's probably one of the most dangerous technical strikers out there as well. So you got two killers who have this trait. This, this trait of like putting their hands behind their back before they fight and then here you go and I see Masvidal do that as, as his name's being called and I go oh so I didn't mention anything at the table but I'm like interesting he put his hand behind his back like usually that's what killers do so the fight begins <laughs> the bell rings and literally Masvidal takes starts circling while Ben's coming forward and he charges at him full sprint speed and hits him with a jumping knee. Ben goes down to go for a takedown and the knee connects, stiffens Ben Astro. Like Ben is just out. Like he's asleep and then Masvidal gets up and hits him with another punch as he stiffened. As if to say, Doma, take that, talk now. It's probably one of the, like, probably one of the nastiest knockouts I've seen. And he did it in five seconds. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he has the fastest knockout in UFC history. Five seconds. I let that sink in in for a quick second. It took him five seconds. And then imagine how hard he hit that, because he was sprinting. It wasn't like he jogged and just threw it up. He sprinted to Ben Astrid and hit him straight in the jaw. 
bing, hit him in the right spot, got up, hit him one more time, and he went to go hit him again. But luckily the ref was got in there, stopped him, stiffened him up. And then Rick was, I think he was on like Instagram or something, and people were posting that that wasn't that what happened wasn't fair that Ben was going to go touch gloves. What? What? He went to go touch no. That's not Ben did not go to go touch gloves. I can tell you for a fact. There's no way you can have you can have this much beef with somebody and you thought you were going to touch gloves. No. That that it, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You know for if Ben really thought he was going to go in there and touch gloves, then I don't then he deserved what he got them. Because you know Masvidal was not going to touch gloves with you. He dis- dislikes you with a passion. And also, if he was he, if he was going to touch gloves, why, why put your head down so far? No. You saw him sprint to you. You thought he was going to throw straight punches or hooks. So you ducked down for a takedown. And you did not calculate or expect a flying knee to come up. But also, in Ben's defense, he's been hit with a couple knees before where people have thrown flying knees and he's caught them with a double leg in the air and taken them down. You know, he's probably got hit with them, but I think this is the first time he really got hit on the button. And it wasn't like hit on the button, like just hit. It was like, it wasn't just like he got hit. It was like the momentum and speed that went with it, I think is what really pushed that button to the max and put him straight out. So, Masvidal's in this position where I think he's next number one contender for Usman. Komar Usman's a welterweight champ. I think he's the next number one contender. How, like, how do you tell him no? How, like, because going into this, if Ben would've won, I think Ben would've got a title shot. Masvidal knocks him out in five seconds, takes away Ben Askren's O, because Ben was 19 and 0 at this point. Takes away his O. Like, how can you not tell him he's the number one contender? If it doesn't make him the number one contender, I don't know what you have to do to become a number one contender. Like, some people are saying you have to wait for the uh, Kobe Covington and Robbie Lawler fight. No. No, you don't have to wait for that. Kobe and Lawler can win, can fight the winner of Usman and Masvidal after they fight. For a fact, Masvidal is your number one contender. I don't care what anybody says. So moving on to the co-main event. The co-main event, you have. Give me a second. I'm driving. I'm driving to work at this point. So. Let me get into this lane where ain't nobody around me. So going into this co-main event, later in the earlier in the day, I watched Daniel Cormier's uh, detail, his new show, where he breaks down fighters and all that. And I, as I was doing that, he, he was talking about Amanda Nunez. He broke down Amanda Nunez, and I truly enjoyed what I was seeing and hearing. Um, coming into the Amanda Nunez fight, I, 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 
I knew things that I didn't know before. Like the way she pivots her her punches, all that, all because of that show that Daniel's doing. It's a great show. I truly enjoyed it. So Amanda Nunez, Holly Holm come out, and Holly all fight week is like, hey, I'm winning this fight. It might be a surprise to some of you guys, but to me and my team, it won't be a surprise. The same way that they weren't surprised when she beat Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunes coming to this fight was like, she really didn't talk about the fight, to be quite honest. She, like, if you watch the embeddeds and all that, she was actually, like, busy with media and doing the whole uh, MMA awards. She was having fun. Like, this was like another... I think Amanda Nunez is in her prime right now. I think she stepped into her prime a while when she fought Misha Tate. But I think she's really turned the corner after she beat uh, Valentina Shalenko. Jesus, I don't want to... Valentina Shalenko. Shalenko, I don't know. I'm butchering foreigners' names. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. I just... But Amanda, I think she turned the corner in that fight. She went five rounds. What a dangerous striker. Like, dangerous. And she won. And I think that's when she turned the corner. And since then, she's been wrecking. Like, wreck. Like, look at her resume. I brought this up the other day. I said, if you had a Rushmore, a Rushmore mountain of the head of the female fighters in the world, right? You would have Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg. Nunez has come in here and destroyed all three of those women. All three. So coming into this fight against Holly, Holly's a former champion. I said, Jackson, Wink, they also have great camps that that they that their game planning is always on point but then after seeing what George just did and knowing that George and Nunez are in the same camp and American top team I said American top team might take this one they might they might take both fights they won the George fight I would have to go with American top team that they put a great game plan together for Nunez to beat Holmes and that's, and that's the one thing that I truly enjoy. When you have two fight camps, two fight, not only camp, but two fight gyms that have excellent trainers and they put their best fighters out there to see who wins and you see the game planning that they have and all that, like that intrigues me more than the fight itself. It's like... You're putting your best fighter out there, and you know you have a good camp. So you're like, okay, this is going to be, this isn't just about the fighters. This is about the game plan that went into this fight. They go in there, and Amanda Nunez, Holly Holm, Holly's circling. She's circling, but she's circling to Amanda's right. I didn't like that. She's like throwing kicks, throwing jabs. Amanda's just stalking her. Giving her basically I'm not gonna say she wasn't respecting her. Of course she was respecting her, but she was stalking her 
hard. Like in her face. I'm like, when I catch you, I'm going to catch you. Her leg kicks. We all knew Amanda had leg kicks. What we did not know is that Amanda had also head kicks. Like Amanda usually doesn't throw head kicks. And this is why I say she's in her prime. Because she threw a couple of leg kicks in the first round that we were like, oh, okay, Amanda's throwing her some leg kicks. But maybe she, you know, maybe she just picked it up and she's trying to use it. We were like, maybe she shouldn't try to exchange head kicks with home. Like home, home would knock your head off if she hits you with the head kick. So the fight continues. Amanda's trying to hit her, but uh, Holly Holmes' footwork is just keeping her away, but she keeps circling to the right, keeps circling to the right. First round's up. I gave it to Nunez. And then I think it went to the second, if I'm not mistaken. The second round comes around, and as they're, as as Nunez is stalking her, she's circling, like trying to cut her off. And then Holmes, I believe she threw a leg kick of her own. And because she threw a leg kick, either she threw a leg kick or she threw a punch. Like, uh, uh, it fades me. It's crazy how this, I literally just watched this just a couple hours ago. And for some reason, I can't remember it. I think she threw, I think Holmes threw her own leg kick. And then as she went to go put it down and reset, Amanda comes up with her own head kick and just rocks her, puts her on her ass. And then goes in for the kill. Now, everybody at the table, some of them were like, hey, that was a a quick um, a quick stoppage. I don't think so. What happens is she gets head kicked. Amanda comes in with a three-piece after the head kick as Holmes is on the floor. And the only thing is Holmes is doing is she has one hand on the, on the canvas and she has one hand on Amanda's, uh, Amanda's uh, thigh. So there's nothing, and I mean nothing, holding back those three-piece punches. So you just got head kicked, and then you got hit with a three-piece. The ref had to stop the fight. You're, if you're not intelligently, intelligently um, defending yourself, you have to stop the fight. And I don't think she was. She took a head kick and, th- and a three-piece and didn't. like she, she was trying to get up. But once you're getting like Amanda has real power, and she's a she's a she's a savage. Forget about being a cougar. She's a savage. So I believe, if anything, Amanda would have just kept hitting her hard until she would have went to sleep. And at that point, if a fighter can't defend herself or himself, then the ref should go in there and stop the fight because that's what's best for the fighters. You can't, you can't just say it was a quick stop. No. It was a fair stoppage. It, in my opinion, it was a fair stoppage. Amanda Nunez went in there. Head kick. Over. The head kick alone was like, ouch. The three-piece with no defense. That's enough. That's enough. You've taken enough blows to the head without defending yourself. Fight over. So Amanda Nunez walks out 
and defends her 135 title. Now, I believe she's going to fight. Amanda's going to fight at 145, the winner of Cyborg and Spencer. Spencer just beat um, Megan Anderson. So I believe if Cyborg beats Spencer at the next fight, then we're just going to run that rematch again, Cyborg and Nunez. But if Spencer can somehow beat Cyborg, then at 145, it will be Nunez and Spencer. But if that happens, Nunez will be the first fighter in history, in UFC history, to defend both titles. Because so far, she's def- she won the 145 against Cyborg in her last fight. She has now defended the 35 title last night against Holmes. So if she goes up and defends the 145 title, she'll be the first fighter in history to defend both titles. And if she wins at 45 against whoever she's fighting, she'll be the first fighter in history in UFC to successfully defend both titles. See, there's a difference between defending your title and successfully defending your title. If she if she goes in there and loses against whoever she fights at 145, then and only then can you say she was the first person to, to defend it. But if she wins, she'll be the first person to defend it successfully. So I think that's a that's a pretty big accomp- accomplishment for Amanda Nunez if she's able to do that. But then we go to our main event of the evening. John Jones and Thiago Santos. Oh my goodness. Now, this fight, everybody said that Santos had a puncher's chance and that Jones wasn't going to wreck him, but he still had a puncher's chance. Santos went in there with a pretty good game plan. And I don't, and to the point, the game plan, like if you watch John Jones against. When he went against Smith, he dominated. Five rounds of pure domination. This one, Santos had great striking with his boxing and his kicks. And I don't think he gave Jones enough room to try to go for a takedown. And I don't think Santos really wanted to go to the ground. I think Santos wanted to stand up and try to knock John Jones out. Some people, as we're at the table, some people are like, this is a snooze fest. I don't think it was a snooze fest. This this had me on the edge of my seat. Because in the first round, Santos throws a, a right leg kick. Uh, Jones steps out of the way. But Santos has thrown so much power into this leg kick that he hyperextends, what I believe, he hyperextends his left knee. So now he's hurt. And I only say that because I hyperextended my knee in high school before. So I know I know the look when someone goes, ah, like, oh, this, this is, that hurts. It's when you strain out your knee with so much force that your, that your knee rolls in and then pops back out. Like it rolls in and it rolls out. And I think that's what happened to Santos. But even in, and that's that's in the first round. This fight went five rounds. Five rounds. And Santos in there, and he's trying to throw these kicks, and he's falling over, and he's tripping, 
because his his left knee is now compromised. He's he's fighting with one wheel. And even with that, fighting with one wheel, he's able to keep John Jones at distance. Now John tried to John threw a couple of like a flying knee and he was throwing punches and spinning elbows, but like you can tell Jones wasn't in my opinion. In my opinion, Jones wasn't really doing enough to win the rounds. That's that's how I see it. Some people see it differently. Some people saw it going to the fifth round, two and two. I don't. In my in my opinion, I saw it going. Santos won the first three rounds, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just because I was so into the story of the underdog with one wheel uh, taking on the champ that maybe I, I maybe I was seeing things. Maybe. But what I was when I was watching, I said, John Jones really isn't doing anything at this point. And that's no disrespect to John Jones. It's just when you see John Jones fight, if you watch like the Daniel Cormier fights, if you watch the um the Smith fight, his last fight, he's usually controlling and he's putting in he's putting these combos together. He's trying to do in this fight, he was just throwing single leg kicks, he was spinning around, throwing his spinning elbows, but they didn't have the same uh, ferocity in them that we usually see from him. And then, but with Santos, he was throwing leg kicks, he was throwing these these powerful combinations that if he lands on Jones' chin, I wouldn't be surprised if Jones gets rocked. Or gets put to sleep. Like, Santos is a really big dude. But through the whole fight, I have Santos winning the first three. I think Jones won the fourth. And going to the fifth, if you want to give it to Jones, cool. But I think Santos was doing enough to win that fight. But it was a split decision for John Jones. I don't know how. I, I'm gonna have to re I'm going I'm going to have to rewatch that fight, maybe maybe I was missing something. Maybe it was just a storyline of just the underdog with one leg uh, keeping the champion at distance and landing. I, I would think landing the better shots. But I'll, I'll rewatch it. But for me, Santos won 3-2 to two for that fight. But also, when you're fighting for the championship, you have to really beat the champ. You can't just squeak out a, a victory. And so, if you're going to beat the champ, if, if you're going to leave it up to the decisions and that close, then I can see why you'll give it to the champ because you really have to beat the champ to really go like, oh, I beat him. This one, I can say, with one leg, I can say he... I, did, I think he did enough to get the split decision, but... The judges gave it to John Jones. Fair enough. I wasn't too really like, oh, that's bullshit. I was like, oh, I really thought Santos won that one. But again, I'll I'll go ahead and rewatch it and see what, and maybe I'll have a different opinion. But yeah, so that was the fight car last night. Uh, that was crazy. That fight car was stupid good. I enjoyed every minute of that fight card. Uh, I can't wait to go to the next one.
Uh, also, we tried out a new spot. The Willow Grove, the Miller Air House in the Willow Grove. That place is phenomenal. It's like it looks like all the other Miller Air houses, but it was it was cool. It wasn't too many people, but maybe I shouldn't tell you guys that because then you guys might want to go up there, and then when we go up there again, it'll be packed and stuff. Like maybe we shouldn't hmm. scratch that. No, stay y'all y'all, y'all watch our fights where y'all watch our fights. At. Don't go don't go to Willow Grove. But hey guys, I just got to work. So, I'm about to head in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to me do my recap on UFC 239. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for the support. I hope to get, uh, I got a couple people that I want to bring on to the podcast. So, if all goes well, I'll be putting more episodes up more frequently. So, thanks for listening. I'm your boy, Big Baby Steve, and you just listen to Philly Talks. Hey guys, it's your boy, Big Baby Steve. The following podcast was recorded uh, while I was driving to work, so that seems that seems that the best time for me to be record- recording these days because. That's the only time that I get to do it where I just have some free time when I'm just driving. I like I work like an hour away, so it's I'm able to get at least 30 minutes to 40 minutes of talking time on the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know. This is UFC 239, the recap.